Welcome to another edition of Within WordPress, the podcast in WordPress, where you get to know all the people working within WordPress. Today, we have a special guest again, because, you know, let's be honest, all the guests are special. Um, the infamous uh, Katie Keith. And Katie is doing something very interesting with WooCommerce. Um, so please, Katie, welcome to the podcast. And um, how about uh, you do a little introduction of what, uh, what the thing is you do with WooCommerce and who you are? Hi, yeah, I'm Katie Keith from, so I'm co-founder and CEO of Bantu Plugins. And uh, thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you. So um, we started selling plugins in 2016, having previously designed WordPress websites. And um, we mostly do WooCommerce plugins. We have 21 premium plugins at the moment. I think all but four of them are to do with WooCommerce. So that's very much what we specialize in. Um, yeah. In particular, we have a lot of plugins that are around speeding up the customer journey in WooCommerce and um, making it every single stage of the process faster. And that's a very interesting thing because making things faster is what I like. <laughs> it's not, you know, not, not just a site, but uh, most people think performance is uh, just making your site faster, but it is indeed a lot more than that, right? It's the, the, the customer journey is a very important part of it. So what, I hear you, what I'm hearing you say is that you started out as an agency and then you pivoted into a plugin business. Is that a correct assumption? That's right. Yeah. So we started in about 2009 building WordPress websites for clients and oh. we uh, did that. We um, grew a bit. We built a virtual team of freelancers to build the websites and we kind yep. of hit a ceiling, really. It was a project management related ceiling. So we got some good mm. people working for us to do design, development, SEO, but it was always me managing the projects. and. I tried to find other project managers and it just didn't really work out. I didn't really want to, to become a kind of company with staff at that stage of my career. And we thought we need a sort of more sustainable way to build uh, the company. And yeah. we looked towards products. I know a lot of WordPress service providers and freelancers and agencies do have this kind of holy grail of selling products. Um, and see digital products as a more scalable way forwards. And we very much fit into that category. So yeah. we built our first product um, in early 2016 and um, haven't looked back. I, I hear you say uh, you, you weren't looking for the, the, the extra amount of people on, 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 on payroll and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I saw you tweet uh, uh, a week or two weeks back. I saw you tweet like a whole... Uh, this is a, an array of folks that we've hired. Um, obviously, you, <laughs> you, you've looked, you, you've reconsidered that position. Well, this is why I pivoted slightly in the previous statement where I, I said at yeah. that stage of my career, because uh, in saying that, I realized how much things have changed since then. Because I, at the time, I really didn't want to be a manager and all that goes with it. Um, and so we thought, well, we'll do something else that's more scalable so we don't need to and started the plugins. Yeah. And we uh, managed the plugins with just us for a while. And then they just kept growing and growing. And we were enjoying it. And um, first of all, took on uh, someone to do support. 
uh, because mm -hmm. I, I did all the support myself for, for such a long time. Like we're talking 50 tickets a day. I was handling on my own. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm fast. I know the plugins inside out. I had saved responses and things to save me time, but sure. that takes away from business development. It's not a good idea. And I was quite precious about support. I didn't want anybody else talking to my customers. They get it wrong. Um, I guess, guess you pivoted just, there as well. There just wasn't a choice. Um, it was just getting ridiculous. So I was really reluctant um, and took on a support company. And, um, and uh, I used a company that was just sort of okay for a while. And then they closed down. And then I found Level Up Support, which I know a lot of WordPress product companies use. Um, yep. And they have a big team of support people in the Philippines. And they, all, they do a lot of training and each person is dedicated to your company. They don't swap them around really and things. And the first Level Up by guy we got was just amazing. He just slotted into the team immediately. And he's such a character. He just really took a lot forward within the company straight away and he's still our head of support now um years later and it kind of showed me that he can add rather than take away and that opened my mind to having other people involved and similarly we gradually started taking on developers initially on a freelance basis from codable and yeah. we would be very careful we talked to codable personally about who's experienced in developing commercial plugins and they put us in touch with some really good people. And so it, it was years before we actually hired our first in-house developers, which was two years ago. So it was kind of really gradual. And then suddenly I've got a team of 18 or whatever it is. And I'm like, I never made that decision. It just evolved. <laughs> if, you if you have to suffer that sentence with whatever it is, it means it's growing fast and it means it's going good. Exactly. And um, then you have to go with it and make the decisions as they happen, the right decision yeah. at each stage. What is the, what is the pivotal moment there that you decided, look, let's do, let's do a, a plugin, let's do products. Is there, um, is there a pivotal moment or did that also sort of happen? happen? Um, it was a very slow process actually. Um, okay. so I said, we started selling plugins in 2016. We actually spent much of 2013 building a theme. And um, back then I wasn't so confident with marketing and I wanted to sell on Theme Forest because I didn't know how I would get our theme out to the wider audience. And yeah. um, unfortunately it was rejected by Theme Forest when we spent like a year developing it and submitted wow. it and they rejected it. And I didn't think I could make a theme a success on my own. Uh, so we just kind of stopped. So we had this product idea for literally three years before we launched our first plugin. And then I suppose the virtual team um, that was helping to build our clients' websites was going well in early 2016. And that freed mm -hmm. up my husband, Andy, to uh, spend a few weeks writing a fairly simple WooCommerce plugin. Um, it's still there today and has grown since then. It's WooCommerce protected categories. And at the time, all it did was let you password protect a category. So yeah. in WordPress, you can already password protect pages and posts, but not categories. And yeah. um, we went on the WooCommerce Ideas Forum, which um, is, used to be a separate website, but I think they've merged it with other things now. 
and we looked at the simplest, most popular idea uh, that people yeah. were requesting that they didn't seem likely to put into core. And we built our plugin with commerce protected categories. And um, it only took a few weeks of Andy's time and he could do that because we had the freelancers doing the technical tasks on the websites we were building. And yeah. um, so we did. I did a bit of content marketing. Um, it was a lot more niche than the theme I mentioned before because at the time there was nothing on the market that let you pass through a protected category in WooCommerce. So I blogged about it. It got straight to the top of Google because it didn't exist. And we yep. started getting sales straight away. So that was kind of just an experiment. And we were yeah. like really amazed when we got our first sale. We weren't really expecting it to happen. It was, we just stuck the plugin on our main agency website and didn't think about branding or name or anything like that. And then about three days later, we started getting a trickle of sales and we were like, oh, maybe we can sell plugins. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting, uh, so it almost sounds like the, uh, I'm not going to say that this is the whole um, experience you've had, but that almost sounds like overnight success. Like find, find something that works, uh, be truly unique and have something that works uh, and then hit it off straight away. That's, that, I mean, that must have been like a warm bath compared to the rejection of the theme. Absolutely. Yeah. And we realized that going small, going niche in a big market can work. Uh, yeah. The theme was multi-purpose. It was too big and we were never going to compete with the likes of Avada that were becoming mm -hmm. popular at the time we were building our theme. They yeah. have much more resources behind them and they're just they're huge pieces of software, these themes. Whereas a little plugin that does one task well is very different and felt more achievable for us. So that was really nice to find something that we could actually make a difference in. And yeah. it's a bit harder nowadays, but there are still gaps. If you're in WooCommerce or WordPress doing it every day, then there are gaps that you can build products to fill. Oh, for sure. Um, I forgot who, but somebody commented recently saying like the, the market is saturated. I'm like, are we looking at the same market? Because I see opportunities constantly. There's, even if you think the market within WordPress is saturated, just look outside of WordPress and see what other CMS are doing. And you'll quickly find a whole array of solutions. Like if you're looking for, uh, inspiration to buy, uh, to, to create a WooCommerce plugin, look at Shopify. They have tons of extensions and add-ons that do not exist in WooCommerce world, but could, because there's obviously a market for it. Cause if, you know, Shopify, for those who don't know. Um, everything extra costs extra. There's no, there's no free stuff. So if, if people are willing to pay for it, then there is a market for it. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. That, that, that's an interesting, um, so the, the, the origin story sort of starts with, uh, one plugin, um, you, uh, mentioned in your introduction, you're focusing on, um, the, the customer experience, uh, in, in your plugins mostly now. So what would be your flagship plugin that uh, exemplifies that principle? Um, well, we've got about four or five that bring the principle together, but the best selling out of that category is yeah. our WooCommerce product table plugin, 
which was probably our third premium plugin that we ever released. And mm-hmm. we released it in response to demand on one of our other plugins that people wanted a WooCommerce version of this other plugin. And yep. they wanted basically a one-page order form, which would put lots of plugins, lots of products rather, all on one page with all the information about the product, like the description and stuff like that, and an add-to-cart buttons, uh, sort, of, to... sort of like a bundle or? Um, more like a one-page order form, really. So okay. imagine a printed catalog. Imagine in the olden days, you'd receive a catalog and on the back page, there would be a form with all the products yep. from the catalog listed. Right, and then you check and off you would, the ones you want. Exactly. You'd tick yep. what you wanted. You would uh, enter the quantity of each one and send off the form. So we're talking a WooCommerce version of that, which brings the products onto one page with um, order form functionality. So you can choose quantities. If it's a variable product, you can select the variations, uh, tick as many products as you require. And then mm-hmm. just do one click to add them all to the cart together. So that's what our WooCommerce product table does. And um, that was, again, the first plugin to do that. Although there are competitors now, of course. And um, it, it just spe- speeds up shopping because normally in WooCommerce, you've got like a grid of products. Maybe you've got nine products per page and each yep. one takes up quite a lot of space. And it's got a big image, it's got a title, a price, and not much else. It might have an add to cart button, but you can't really do much with that because you can't change the quantity and you can't choose a variation. So you'd have to visit this separate product page for each product to choose those extra options, view descriptions, and that kind of thing. So what product table does is put more information and all the purchase options onto one page, as well as displaying products more in a more compact layout so that people can buy them in bulk much more quickly. Sounds like a solution. I I know quite a few uh, stores that will benefit that. So that's one of them. Um, Curious, what what are other, um, you said one flagship, there are a couple of flagships, which are um, some prime examples in that? Um, well, I'll start at the beginning of the customer journey, which is how they find the products in the first place. So yep. last, I think it was last September, we launched our WooCommerce product filter plugin, which is already proving popular. And that you can use it on its own with WooCommerce, or you can use it with our product table plugin to add kind of really fancy filters. So all sorts of filters like uh, check boxes and you can click on color swatches or images and all mm-hmm. sorts of different ways of displaying product data because uh, depending on what sorts of products you're selling you might want different ways to interrogate that data and narrow down your list of products so the filter plugin is about finding the products in the first place yep. the product table plugin that we've mentioned is about how they're displayed like in a quick order yep. form um, we also have a WooCommerce Quick View plugin, which adds Quick View buttons to your store. Again, quick either view? you Quick View is like a light box, so you click. Okay, You've yeah. probably yeah. seen this in um, ma- major clothes e-commerce sites or something, where you are browsing products and you hover or click on a magnifying glass or something like that to bring up a pop-up with information about that one product. So that's another way of learning more 
with yep. while remaining on the page. Um, so you don't have to go away from the product page to the shop page and then come back to it. You're still there because you can open the quick view, read the description, look at more pictures, add to the cart, and then it closes and you're still on that list of products so that you're encouraged to buy more instead of just go straight to the cars and complete your yeah, purchase. That's a, that, that's a great way to speed up the process and yet still being in context of what your original intent was. Mm -hmm. And similarly, the final stage of the process is completing your order. So normally with WooCommerce, you add products to the cart and then you are taken to a cart page and you mm -hmm. review your order and make changes. And then you go to a checkout page. So that's yeah. quite a few different pages. So we've also got a WooCommerce FastCart plugin, which brings all that onto the whatever page you added the product to the cart. So that might be the shop page. Okay. So when you've added a product to the cart, either it opens straight away or there's a little icon in the corner, which you can click to launch your cart. And then it pops up either like on the side of the page or in the middle, you get to choose. And that um, lets you uh, view your cart and then go to the checkout still in the pop-up. So then yep. you enter your payment details and complete your order. You can view related products as well to kind of increase the average order value all within this pop-up on the page where you added the product. So you're not smart. going through a multi-page process. Yeah, that's smart. I, th that almost sounds like it's potentially your most popular plugin because I can see all the benefits in, in, in what that does. I think it's probably about number five at the moment, but it's oh, wow. relatively new, so we're still growing it. Um, but yeah, that could be a big one as well. Yeah, yeah, we're working on another checkout plugin at the moment as well, which will be released in the next few months, which will let you edit your checkout fields and add multi-step checkout and other things. And that will work with the fast cart for people that want extra functionality as well. Mm -hmm. So, at, so at this stage, how do you come up with your new plugin ideas? Is that still mostly feedback you're getting, or are you doing market research now, or how how has that evolved? Kind of two sources. One is that the ideas come to us because we are out there, we're listening to customers, and we can see what they want. We often create plugins uh, to add a feature that relates to one of our existing plugins. Uh, the WooCommerce QuickView plugin is a really good example of that because customers of our WooCommerce product table plugin were asking constantly for QuickView buttons in the product table. And we could have added that as a feature of product table, but instead we thought QuickView isn't specific to product tables. It is something different from that. It's, uh, you can yeah. use it without the product table in your default layout, for example. Yeah. And, um, so then people can either click on it from the default shop page or from the product table, if they're using the two plugins together. Yeah. So we decided That's... to release it, um, as a separate plugin for that reason. That makes sense. If you can extract it to something that is a standalone option and improvement mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, um, that is the feedback you're getting and stuff. And then what's the other, how, what is the other route of, uh, going from an idea to, yes, this is something that is validated and, and, and needed mm -hmm. and uh, let's start building. How does that process work? 
the other the other route is more our awareness of what is big in the market and our vision is to kind of have a Bantu version of all of the major WooCommerce extensions. So, for example, yeah. there's an official extension on WooCommerce.com called Product Add-ons, and it's yeah. quite limited. It's useful in that it lets you add other types of product options. So normally in WooCommerce, you can only have variation dropdowns, and they're always displayed as a dropdown. Um, yeah. Product options is popular because... It lets you add checkboxes and radio buttons and text fields and things like that as well. Uh, so, but it's missing quite a lot. For example, uh, we knew from our experience of the market that it was missing conditional logic options to, for example, conditionally show one option depending on the customer's other selections. An example mm -hmm. of that might be if you want to add gift wrap options to a plugin, you might have yeah. a gift wrap checkbox. And when you tick the checkbox, it opens up additional options for people to choose from. Um, yeah. You wouldn't want to clutter up your page with like choose a style of ribbon no. or something um, no. for all customers. Yeah. So it's missing a few things like that that people want. And as a result, we built our own last year, which is doing really well. And it integrates with our other plugins. For example, you can display the product options added with our plugin in the product table, in WooCommerce product table, in the QuickView mm -hmm. Lightbox, in the QuickView plugin, and right. so on. So it sounds like you're, you're building your own ecosystem of plugins, not only as separate solutions, but as some, uh, whichever combination of your plugins you're using, that they also interact and add onto each other. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's a conscious decision. Yeah, wherever possible, because we want to be able to cross-sell our plugins and have them work together. Yep. Exactly. And that makes a lot of sense. So in, in like from a, you onboard customers for a, usually probably for a particular plugin they're interested in. Um, I'm sure your store does the upselling as well. Um, and, and maybe they end up with two or three plugins as they check out. The the next step of uh, wanting to get that particular customer to understand all of your solutions, um, do you have a specific tactic for that? Or is that happened as they continue to be clients? Do you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand how you go from, you know, penetrating the market and ending up with one or two clients and then sort of expanding within as well, because I've, you're giving a lot of great examples of how you're using uh, different ideas and, and solutions you see and, and, and uh, see the demand for to build those. And that obviously expands your market. But um, do you have any special tactics to do? Like, how do I expand within my current uh, set of customers? Yeah, I think it's really important to look for opportunities to get new custom from your existing customers. And uh, that's what that's why we try to develop related plugins that work alongside each other on the same website. So one way we do that, which we found really makes a difference to our average order value, is to have each plugin offered as a single individual plugin and also yeah. as a bundle with another very closely related plugin. 
So if you go on any of the product pages on barn2.com, then you will see there's a sort of two column pricing table where you can either buy the plugin on its own or coupled with another plugin. So to use the example of our WooCommerce product table plugin, you can buy it on its own or you can buy it with QuickView. And when you do yep. that, you basically get 50% off the price of what it would cost you to buy QuickView separately. So you're getting a deal for buying them together. And when we implemented this a year or so ago, it did increase our average order value by quite a lot. Oh, wow. Uh, and I guess that this is available as a plugin, plugin for uh, uh, other people to purchase as well, or is it a custom bill? You mean the two-column bundle yeah. thing? Um, it's not, because we actually sell using easy digital downloads. And right. while we uh, do have oh. one, yeah. Ooh. Controversial. <laughs> Ooh. Do I need to edit well, this out or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very public information. Um, yeah. When we started selling plugins, like I said, we just um, stuck a plugin on our existing agency website where we sold our client services, and easy digital downloads seemed like the simplest way to just get started with one digital product. And yeah. we had no idea what it would grow into and actually we've had a lot of problems as a result of that decision because it was did there's a much smaller market around it supporting it of developers and add-ons and things so we've done a lot of custom work to make it meet our business requirements and i do wish we'd use something different maybe woocommerce or something that's um any, not even any... specifically wordpress any, any like, plans um, in that direction to, to reboot on, on WooCommerce or even something else? Not actively because it's more of an internal benefit and it would be a huge project. Like imagine how many oh, subscribers sure. we've got, people with annual subscriptions on EDD. It would just be a nightmare. And yeah. that would be a very big distraction for us compared to developing and improving the plugins which actually make us money so probably one day and we talk about it all the time but we yeah. it's fine it does the job um but it's I, not what I, we I hear this now. a lot I, I hear this a lot where uh, folks start on uh, on something and and edd is often used as a as a as a great starting point but then there's limitations here and there um that end up making you having forcing you to have make very difficult decisions because you you're part in like, I want to leave, but I'm also stuck. And I know that if I'm going to move away in six months of development time uh, for one person mm -hmm. full time. So am I, in, I really want to, want to invest that right now. Um, I remember when I was working at Yoast, um, they were using EDD as well. And they moved to WooCommerce. That was, that was more than one person working for a very long time. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. that, that was a huge project. Uh, so I, I can understand there's some hesitance there, but, uh, uh, it, it, it's still a, a funny, uh, combination in my head, but, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's how it goes. I, I, I know WooCommerce, uh, plugin developers who don't even sell, don't even have their website on WordPress, don't even sell with WordPress or whatsoever. Um, and they're doing fine as well. So it's, it's absolutely no necessity, but, uh, interesting nonetheless. It feels a so, little bit disingenuous, doesn't it? A bit hypocritical that you're. You're kind of an advocate of WordPress as a WordPress company, but if you don't use them, um, 
So yeah. I, I, uh, one of those people that have that, uh, I, I know very well, and I've asked him like, so what is your argument to not use WordPress because the same amount of effort you could have. And he actually goes like, so I have a template and I'm also selling other stuff. And I have a template of what my site looks like. I, I throw my product in there. I have a license key thing activated in, in conjunction with it. And I have to do like a big copy and paste, but I'm done. And I go, okay, yeah, so, yeah, okay, that makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, my counter argument was you could do the same thing with a site in WordPress and then copy and paste that. And he goes, yeah, probably, but, you know, let me play around with new technologies and this and that. And I go, okay, okay. okay. Never mind me asking. Interesting, yeah. Um, so it does mean, though, that all this custom work we do, we're not tending to release in the same way. We do no. have one um, easy digital download plugin, which is EDD VAT, um, the European VAT law, because um, we couldn't, there wasn't anything off the shelf available that would allow us to meet the European VAT law. So we built a plugin to do that. And we did release that as, and that's still available. But it doesn't do that well compared to our WooCommerce plugins. And so we haven't really been tempted well, the market to is a lot. More. Yeah, I understand because mm. the, the the market is a lot smaller as well for EAD. And, and and in my experience, it's it's shrinking. Mm. I see more movement away from it than I am seeing towards it. So, uh, no, understandably. So, you have a, um, you have an interesting name for a company name. <laughs> um, I, I I you've mentioned it a few times, but I I wanted to ask, like, where does the name come from? Well, that's another example of not really planning for where we aim to get in the future. So <laughs> yeah. when we started our agency business, we lived in a converted barn in Dartmoor National Park in England, and it yeah. was barn number two. That was our address. So <laughs> the opposite so, of tech, it was literally an ex-farm. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. And we that was our company name. It's it's a short domain name, at least, Bantu. Um, but yeah, sure, it's, sure. Again, we wouldn't have chosen that now. But then every time we've thought of changing it, we've thought, oh, we're quite well known now. Let's leave it. And then two years later, we're better known. And it's like, well, I don't want to lose that recognition and um, for the vanity a, of a better name. Yeah, it's a little bit like the poet uh, Mr. Lennon said, uh, life happens while you're busy making other plans. It just... <laughs> You went in the direction you didn't expect, and then the choices you made, here you are. Because mm. we too. were a local company at first. We were specializing in small business web design within the area where we live. So it made sense at the time to have a name which reflected uh, the locality, even the rural nature of where we yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, of course. Whereas of course. a global tech company, that's not necessarily <laughs> what you would choose to emphasize. No. So... Um, I, I ha you, you mentioned before we jumped on the podcast, you live in Mallorca, uh, Spain, uh, beautiful island. Um, I, I'm guessing that would have, would have not been able if you, if you had continued to, uh, cater for agencies. So from an agency to, to client sites and design and stuff, and, or was that going to happen anyway? That's interesting. I've never thought about that. I've always thought about when we had our normal jobs before we quit to work for ourselves, that we, you can't move abroad when you work in an office five days a yeah. week, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I never actually thought what we might have done if we'd kept the client-facing business. 
I suppose it would have been harder to get new clients. Um, by the time we finished, we were mostly working remotely with our clients, though. Um, we were working with more London companies and we lived in the southwest of England, nowhere near London and yeah. um, some international companies and things like that. So it was mattering less. So for me, the thing that facilitated it was working for ourselves, not necessarily on the plugins. Okay. Yeah, that make, I guess that makes sense. It's um, uh, probably one of those other things that also happens as you're just uh, making new decisions and, and move on with, uh, with those decisions as a, as a primary driver into what you're doing after those decisions. Um, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I know a few uh, folks who are purposely designing their life to be more flexible. Uh, and I also know a few who are just stumbled into it, um, uh, even to the point where they're now back, like having been nomad for about seven, eight years and now back, like starting families and stuff. But, uh, uh the, the allure of working remote or wherever you want, um, I think is still appealing to a lot of folks. How did you end up uh, choosing Mallorca? Um, well, it's mostly my husband. He'd always had a dream of having a second home in Mallorca. And it had always been somewhere that we enjoy coming on holiday. It's not just a mm. beach resort like people think. We like to go hiking in the mountains and things like that. Um, and obviously the weather compared to England is a lot better. Um, yep. But the second home thing just didn't really feel right ever. I like to go on holiday to different places and see different parts of the world. And um, we have a daughter who is school age and um, didn't necessarily want to go to the same place for all of our holidays. And um, we were a bit frustrated that we have this flexible lifestyle through our work, but we have a daughter at school, so she needs to be in mm. one place. And we're not into the homeschooling thing. We didn't enjoy it during COVID when we had to do it, for example, and yeah. didn't think it was in her interest either. So. We didn't want to be the sort of family that would just travel around the world homeschooling. And yet we built this flexibility for ourselves. So we used to talk kind of um, longingly about, oh, when she's left home, we will do this. We'll go and travel and live somewhere else and whatever. And then one day we actually interviewed somebody for a job and he was a digital nomad living in Portugal. And during yeah. his online interview, he showed us the view from his apartment and it was just amazing. And um, afterwards we were like, why do we have to wait? Yeah. So we just thought, we thought, well, let's try it for a year. Let's move to Mallorca for a year and see how it goes. And we kept our house in England, um, this is uh, September 2021, so 18 months ago, um, we moved over. We kept our house in England and rented it out for a, as a holiday let for a year and yeah. um, moved to Mallorca. And then we decided to stay. And my daughter's in an international school nearby. Okay, on Mallorca. On Mallorca, yeah. Yeah. Uh it's a, it's a large enough island to have more than just uh, tourism. Um, I forget how large it is, but uh, um, I didn't think there would be uh, an international school, but I guess there's a lot more international people there, mm. so it actually makes sense. There's a lot of international schools, yeah, you'd be surprised. 
Oh, really? Um, there's there's about four English ones, and I think there's a German one and a French one, and it, it's like the, the international oh, wow. school of Europe. Um, yeah. It's surprising. Today I learned. I did. I I had no clue. And here's me waiting for uh, my youngest to finish uh, yeah. uh, secondary school. <laughs> Didn't go yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we can move about. Interesting. Yeah, I, I probably I'm, I would be I would be doing her a disservice at, uh, if we were to pack up and leave at this, uh, this moment of her education. She has uh, what two and a half years ahead of her. Mm. Probably nicer to to stay in the same school and finish that too. Also but, socially uh, as well, like our daughter was 10 at the time and she wasn't too attached to uh, friends yeah. or whatever. Whereas in their mid-teens, that's the time they probably don't want story. to be. Yeah. yeah. So um, you've mentioned him a few times, uh, your husband. Um, mm -hmm. His primary role, from what I've gathered so far, was the developer side of things. Yeah, oh. he's a software developer by trade, so he brought okay. in the technical uh, skills, whereas I brought in the more business development and marketing. Mm -hmm. Has his role changed much over the years? Um, it's been interesting, yes, because he was always the only developer, and then we started getting extra capacity for freelance um, from freelancers for projects, and then we've got full-time developers, so... He has done a much better job than me at hiring himself out of a job. Um, <laughs> because, uh, Maybe he wants to and you don't. I, that is possibly true. So, like, we bought a house in Mallorca, having rented before in February this year, and he took yeah. a few months out of work to get sorted and, you know, how much work these things always are. Um, yeah. And so that helped the company even more to um, run on a day-to-day -day basis without him and he's recently come back to work and is doing a more kind of strategic quality control role because he often has some good ideas about how to design a plugin more intuitively in the admin for mm -hmm. example he's very good at spotting bugs with our website um, that nobody else spots and um, so he's um, his role has definitely evolved a lot yeah yeah I would imagine it would because uh, um... There's like this, um, as a company grows to about 10, 12 people, that is manageable. That is, you essentially have one leader, um, mm. maybe a team lead, but depending on, on, on the kind of team, so if you have support and, and development, possibly you have a team lead, but growing beyond 12 means you need different roles. You need management. Um, mm. there's just a crisis of, uh, of how much control you can have as a single person, um, and, and yeah, so it makes sense. Somebody has to step up in that role. Uh, it's a good thing he likes that because um, if, if that wasn't the case, you would have to find somebody else. And I yeah, imagine we that's did. Even... Yeah, go ahead. We did promote one of our developer, one of our senior developers in January. We promoted to head of plugin developer. And while right. he doesn't have line management responsibilities, we have empowered him to make decisions about um, technical processes and what tools right. we use and so Smart. on. So that's going quite well. And we've always, I totally understand the issue you're saying. You get to a certain size and you need to put basically middle managers in who manage the other team members. Yeah. And we've always kind of 
avoided that so far because even though we're a bit bigger than that 12 limit and, and some of our team are through level up so we've got something like five level up support engineers and a couple yeah. that we hire directly as well and so that their management comes from level up which is really helpful because they do yeah. the training in the HR side of things with those five team members and they also do quite a lot of performance management to check their response times on support tickets and things yeah. like that so it means that although we've got that many full-time people actually then I'm not line managing every single person in the team so yeah we'll have to see how it goes as we move up and um, what is needed yeah no, obviously, um, and then um, the amount of growth is going to either by choice or by by market is going to uh, flatten off at some point, um, or or is it your goal to become the next uh, I don't know awesome motor? Well, not in every way. Um, sorry, <laughs> I know, I know. Um. I don't think I have Saeed's entrepreneurial brain, although I would love to. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> I would do some things differently, but I very much respect his business knowledge. And I think WordPress needs more of that. Um, it's professionalizing as an industry very much, but there aren't many Saeed's in the industry. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, it's a, it was a sneaky example because I know you tweeted something this morning I know. <laughs> as, a, as a result of, uh, of you installing uh, All-in-One SEO, mm -hmm. uh, where your email address was automatically captured and maybe a little too forward uh, considering the GDPR rules and stuff like that. So it was a sneaky attempt to get a reaction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't it. mind them owning multiple companies and no, cross-promoting. It's when there's a few lines they cross where they try to trick and mislead people in their marketing. And that's just as that's like a step further than I would go. Um, yeah. So that's but it, limit. But, but in terms of, of, of team size, I think, I don't know exactly, but I think they're 240, 250, mm. something along that line. Is Do you ambition that sort of size? Like, is, is that even on your mind? Like where, to, to how far do I want to grow? You probably gathered by now that I kind of just see what works and go with the flow and iterate yep. based yep. on what works. So I, I doubt it would ever get to that size, because, uh, but my vision is to keep growing kind of as we have been really. Uh, we're yeah. trying to accelerate a bit by starting to develop slightly bigger, more ambitious plugins. Um, rather than tiny, tiny niche plugins like we would have done in the past. Um, but I think that curve is still not that high. It's not exponential, like uh, acquiring lots and lots of companies and growing to hundreds of people. Well, I was going to say that that is one of the next steps. If, as soon as you see a, a solution that fits your portfolio and, and, and the owner of that solution is ready to be purchased, to be acquired, um, is that an interesting path for you to continue to grow or like you said is it really just uh, taking your time pacing and leading and seeing uh, you know uh, what fits and what doesn't yeah I am very interested in acquiring something largely because I see it as a gap in my experience of running a WordPress business I know lots of people with much smaller companies that have acquired other plugins or themes or some 
uh, yep. WordPress companies. And I haven't done that yet. Uh, part of it is because we have a very tight kind of control on the quality of our plugins and the way we do things in the admin and so on. So we'd probably end up doing quite a lot of redevelopment work on anything we yep. acquired. Um, yeah. But in theory, yes. And I quite often have conversations with people about that. It just hasn't um, gone through to completion yet. But I think okay. it will at some point, yeah. I'm tempted to to think that uh, any company growing, for any company growing, it, it's going to be inevitable. Um, at a certain point, you need people who have kind of understand the path you're on. So the, the, the talent you're also getting is interesting. Uh, if it is the full company with the employees, um, it's the easiest way to grow um, because they're already hired. You don't have to do the selection, all that. The combination already works. So it, the, the challenge is how do I integrate them and the product into our company? Uh, but I still think it's a faster route than um, developing an entire market, uh, creating a new team and, you know, step-by-step um, -step moving yourself forward like that. Um, I uh, question for you in terms, you, 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 you mostly focus on plugins, right? So the, the, mm -hmm. the theme and the agency is not uh, the th creating themes and, and, and designs and stuff. That's not part of your business at all, or is it, or? No, we don't have any kind of theme development right. other than integrations with our, of our plugins with themes. Yeah. Right. So is the next step, uh, um, uh, continuing on, on finding solutions for WooCommerce? Um, like, do you look outside of WooCommerce? Yeah, when it seems appropriate. Um, our joint best-selling plugin is Document Library Pro, which is not a WooCommerce plugin. Um, right. So it's funny because I'd like to be kind of a specialist with WooCommerce plugin, like someone like Iconic can say, we are a yeah. WooCommerce company. And we can't say that. And sometimes I think, well, well maybe if we discontinued our non-WooCommerce plugin, but we couldn't discontinue Document Library Pro. And we couldn't sell it because functionally it's very closely related to some of our WooCommerce plugins. Uh, yep. So like behind the scenes. Um, so we haven't specialized, but it leaves the door open that when opportunities come up, it doesn't have to be WooCommerce. Right. So uh, any, any other un, un, uh, undeveloped uh, niche within WordPress is, is fine for you to chase uh, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends yeah. what's growing at the time and so on. And in terms of, cause you have uh, products now, are you also looking at, uh, venturing into, uh, SaaS type of solution services? I always think it's funny when you have, and when you do client work and you sell your time, your goal is to sell like themes or plugins or some kind of digital products. And then yeah. when you sell something like a plugin, your goal is to move to SaaS because it's an even better <laughs> business model in theory. And in theory, you know, yeah. you that you have to get paid every month, otherwise they lose the software and all that kind of thing. Uh, you can't yeah. have people not renew and still use your product like with a theme or a plugin. So people do sort of chase that business model. And I definitely have an element of that. 
We have a spreadsheet with a formula that we use to evaluate new plugin ideas when we um, are looking at new plugins to develop. And one of several factors on that is the potential for SaaS functionality, either completely SaaS or just some of the features or something. And none of the ideas we have evaluated yet have had any kind of sense in doing it as a SaaS. And largely because of the WooCommerce side of things, that's kind of weird. And I know of some uh, WooCommerce um, SaaS products. For example, yeah. there's Settery, which is a bulk editor that does it through the API in its own dashboard away from the WordPress admin, which can help with performance yeah. and things. So there are some sensible business cases for what could be a plugin to be a SaaS. But none of our new ideas have happened to fit with that business model yet. But it is something we actively consider. And again, it will probably happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting, um, and not for the sake of, of SaaS, but for the sake of um, you have more control over uh, what is actually happening on a site. And uh, uh, not necessarily to bring in Awesome Motive again, but one of their products, Optin Monster, is a good example of uh, doing conversions inside of WordPress uh, and wanting to have full control over what is actually being outputted and, and then integrated with. It makes a lot of sense to do that from a SaaS and it makes way less sense to do that inside a theme where you actually don't have that much influence over what is being outputted, what, what CSS you need to overrule, what JavaScript is conflicted. Do you have, you have con- conversions uh, as part of your, your, your um, expertise as well with uh, Born2 plugins? Is that, is that yeah. a problem you're into? Um. I suppose our focus on conversions is about um, improving conversions by improving the shopping experience. So right. With, okay. So you you stay within think, theme. Um, you, you stay yeah, within theme. We, we try to inherit styling and things from the theme, which does often right. lead to a lot of work in terms of support and compatibility mm-hmm. fixes. Uh, we're actually thinking of adding a kind of an alternate checkout to Fastcart, which is our own styling, for example, which could be yep. a SaaS, because at the moment it's all taken from the theme, which can lead to compatibility issues. And there are certainly benefits of taking everything from the theme if, if it works, because it's all integrated. It fits with the design of your site, the fonts, the colors, everything yep. just naturally works. Whereas if you're doing it via a SaaS, then even if you've got quite a lot of styling options uh, in the SaaS, you're probably not going to be matching your theme exactly unless you're a developer and know how to do the CSS and so on, which is not really the True. point necessarily of using a hosted solution for things like pop-ups. I can see both arguments. I can see the argument for, for having a unified way of defining it, but yes, you still will have to manually copy what you have on your production side in the SaaS to be matching, if that is your, your goal. Uh, mm. I, I find uh, SaaS an interesting uh, avenue. Um, and I, I'm, I myself, I'm currently developing one where it makes a lot of sense to build it as a plugin, but it makes way more sense to build it as a SaaS because I have way mm. more control and I can do way more than what the, um, what the solution will offer. I'm keeping it vague uh, purposely. Uh, mm. but, uh, this is one of those things where I needed the, uh, the, the service, it, uh, but 
Yeah, you then start thinking like, if I need to use this for the next client and the next client, mm. does it make a lot of sense to do it like this uh, as a plugin? And then my answer quickly was no, because I have way more control over what I can do, what I want to do, and be more complete in how I do it if I take it outside of WordPress and just um, connect it to the side, so to say. Mm. Yeah, and there's more and more of that with the all the REST stuff and everything that came in a few years ago that people yeah. are still... I think people are still exploring the opportunities in that regard and it'll grow and grow. Yeah. Is it inevitable that most will move over? What is, what, what is your stance on that? I don't know. Um, because there's also... There's a lot of move to improve WordPress itself through Gutenberg and, and full site yep. editing and all of that. So that kind of goes against the idea of doing things outside of WordPress, doesn't it? I don't know, um, to a degree, but there's also, um, there's also a lot of stuff that you can do inside WordPress that, uh, for, for, uh, controlling uh, the environment is, is, a, is a great argument to do everything outside of WordPress where the experience still is happening inside WordPress. And I think that particular direction is something we'll see more and more happen. Mm. It doesn't make a lot of sense in all directions in my, uh, in, in my mind, but, uh, I personally, I do expect there's, there to be a, a soft switch from, uh, certain plugins that where it makes sense to move to a SaaS simply by you end up controlling the output much better um, to uh, in, in that direction. And I just don't know um, where that limit is. But I do see a big push in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. Hence my curiosity, if, if that's something you're considering, if it's even on your radar, but it clearly is. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And well, something I hadn't thought of until recently is just having elements of your plugin served by um, something that's hosted as a SaaS. Um, yeah. I did a podcast. Um, we had as a guest on my WP Product Talk podcast, uh, Aaron Edwards, who's um, currently yeah. working on the uh, DocSpot AI side of things. And that the Doing topic of things. that was about, exactly, yeah. And he had lots of insights about using SaaS in different ways from the different um, plugins and projects he's worked on and even just serving one side of it uh, from a SaaS, even if the plugin is then installed on WordPress, it's still yep. um, just, so it's about analyzing every component and where the most appropriate way, but we shouldn't be assuming anymore that every part of the product should be in that plugin, which is installed on the customer's website. Correct. There's other ways to do things and we need to think more widely. And that is, that is one of the examples that uh, prompted me to think of my solution in terms of, I have way more control over what I actually want to do if I mm -hmm. take it outside of WordPress. Right. I'm limited by PHP. I'm limited by, you know, uh, the underpinnings of what PHP does and how it does it. I'm limited by MySQL. I'm limited how MySQL does things. Okay. So. What are the ways around it? Okay, if I do it in this system and I do it in that in Go and I do this in Rust, then I have faster solutions, like way faster solutions at scale. Okay, if that's the case, then how can I pull that outside? And, and, and that's an interesting uh, avenue um, where I think, um, you know, looking at what plugin companies are doing, 
uh, are, are trying to uh, figure out how to move outside of the WordPress bubble, so to say. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's an interesting time for the industry because you have to put the customer first and think about what they expect. And I've seen, I can't think of good examples, but I've seen SaaS products that I think, why was that a SaaS and not a WordPress plugin? <laughs> There's yeah, no yeah. benefit for the user in having it as a SaaS. No, and no, they try no. and do things like forcing monthly pricing in when it doesn't necessarily fit with the model of the plugin to have it yeah, priced we, monthly. I agree. We see a lot of those as well. Mm. And then, that was and then there's that also... Don't make sense. Sorry. No, because I and then there's also things, yeah, and you just like even things like paying monthly for a migration plugin or something when you might want to use it once or whatever, and you, like sense. it's become about the company rather than about the customer. So um, that's interesting, but it's also interesting watching. You've got to do WordPress products within the ecosystem and the way things are going. So five years ago, it was barely acceptable to charge annual subscriptions for a theme or plugin. And you yeah. had the norm being set by companies like Invato that you would just pay once like $39 or something for lifetime access. And, uh, a ridiculously and low amount. Yeah. And then the companies would go bust, obviously, because they couldn't afford yeah. to do it like that. And, and then um, led by companies like um, WooCommerce and East Digital Download, people started introducing annual subscriptions. And that was shocking at first and then became the norm. And I'm currently kind of waiting for that to happen with monthly pricing of plugins. We have SaaS leading the way with monthly pricing, but yeah. I think the market isn't quite familiar enough with this for smaller plug-in companies like ourselves to be introducing monthly pricing. But I think it is going in that direction and gives the customer more flexibility in the future. I think the larger companies, so not the small businesses per se, but the, the larger companies, they understand fine that things cost money. Um, uh, I, I, I know a few examples where they try to circumvent this particular problem that you're, you're raising. They try to circumvent it by having an extra tier on top of what they already have, but it has a few extras. It, 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 it takes into account of the, let's call it the custom with a higher demand for whatever that demand is. Um, and then they, they, they upscale their offering and uh, also ask more. I, there's even examples of, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember who, who told me this, but they had a very difficult time selling their solution to a, a larger company. And this is a company of mm -hmm. maybe 10, 15,000 people working there. They had, a, they had problems trying to convince them to purchase. There was a perfect match on what the company wanted and what the service offered. Perfect match. Mm -hmm. No debate. It's been tested and they were, everybody was happy. But their, uh, their finance department was like, no way 129 a month is going to be something that's good. That's just a ridiculously low, low amount. We don't think that's ever going to be good. So we're not going to add you to our vendor list. Mm. Uh, that's an entirely different discussion. But uh, as companies are growing, as WordPress is growing, we're seeing more and more larger companies uh, adopting to, to use WordPress and, and, and with it, the solutions within WordPress. Um, I found that a super interesting uh, example of 
are we limiting ourselves without actually understanding how we're limiting ourselves, right? So this particular client had some, some really advocates for the plugin user. And they said, like, we're going to fight this till the end, but we're going to make our company force, uh, we're going to force our company to actually purchase the plugin and we're going to help you fill the things we need for our vendor list. You know, mm. they had, they had people working inside for them, but they took that effort to do that. Not everybody's going to do that. So if you don't, if you don't see those people, you're never going to learn that those scenarios exist anyway, you know, that you're merely being disregarded because you're just too low on what you're asking. That the client sees it as a, you know, that cannot be good quality. It's simple as that. Mm. That was, I think, literally the quote he gave me. Um, so yeah, that the market as, as a whole has a lot to grow and learn from, uh, like you said, you started pivoting in 2016. So, uh, you're in your seventh year of plugin business. Uh, I think it's fair to say that you're maturing as a company now. Hopefully. Hey, well, I left some space there for you to say yes or no. <laughs> um, but, but then the next phase, right? What is the next phase? So what is your next phase? Um, I think the team has been really consolidating recently, and that's been a really interesting process over the last two years. I'm consolidating meaning in this case? Consolidating meaning becoming a more of an established team, um, feeling right. like okay. a proper company with multiple yeah. people rather than Andy and I with a few freelancers, which we probably yeah. felt like three years ago. People whose careers are at Barn 2, that's within the last two years that that has mm -hmm. happened. I would say that our um, development and our support teams are more established than our marketing team, which yeah. I'm still experimenting and learning about what are the correct roles to have within the team, um, for example. And I still use a lot of freelancers for things like writing articles about our plugins. So for me, the next big challenge is what in-house marketing team we need. Like I'm thinking about hiring a marketing strategist, head of marketing type person, maybe yep. implementer as well that's, um, to support them in implementing the tasks. A lot of the marketing work still comes down to me and I feel like I need to do better at replacing my skills so that I can focus more on business development than marketing and um, on yeah. a day-to-day -day basis. So I see that as a, a gap that I would like to keep working on. Um, we've got some good um, some marketing hires, like you've, um, you're just getting to know my video creator, who's been amazing, for example, yep. and um, it's really bringing our YouTube channel to the next level. Um, so I'm looking to have people with that level of commitment in different areas of marketing in-house, yeah. which is something that um, I haven't done as much as I would like to. It sounds like you're preparing yourself for more growth. Yeah, ultimately it's about getting the foundation so that you can handle the growth. Obviously I need to keep on top yeah, of, yeah, of um, support yeah. as well, make sure we keep adding capacity in line with growth. Um, and so that then we can release bigger plugins that will um, get sales more quickly and and then provide good customer service and, you know, the whole life cycle. Exciting future. Um, mm. Yeah. So I, I want to thank you for uh, 
joining me on this podcast. I think we've learned a lot about what goes on in the life of a plugin development company, the successful one at that. And uh, thanks again for your time and um, see you next time. Thank you.